Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business Show. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. Alex Burrell, he's back. We have him on every month. He is a, one of my favorites. He is uh, with the American Enterprise Institute, AI.org, and his background is so vast. He was a chief economist uh, over at the House Ways and Means Committee, has worked for the White House. Um, you know, you've been around, and, you know, the joke is, of course, you can't keep a job, right, Alex, because that's just the nature of Washington. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I had more jobs in my six years in Washington D.C. I think than it felt like than uh, all the rest of my jobs combined. Now, what I've been doing now, I've been doing for thirty years. So obviously that has an impact. But you move around a lot up there. But it's all been better forward movement for you, and you do great work policy wise. Real quickly, we haven't done this in a while. I would like for you to real quickly remind people what AEI is all about. I said before, not only with you on, but with uh, just between segments where I'm talking to others, that AEI is one of my all-time favorite think tanks. They take, they take their work seriously. And, uh, and yes, it does have a worldview it operates from. It has a prism it operates it from. But it does it in a very clean and professional manner uh, and very fact-based. And, uh, you know, we live in such a weird uh, fake news culture that interpreting data is now fake news, which that's how that's how everything had been done for millennia, uh, you know. And and all of a sudden that uh, that's bad. And the reality is, is all of us have a view. The, the, the question is whether or not it's reasonable, sensible. Is it worth debating? And everything I get out of AI is worth debating. But tell us a little bit more about what you do. Yeah, so so first thanks for the the kind words about the American Enterprise Institute. I've um I have had a bunch of different jobs in Washington, but I've been um affiliated with the American Enterprise Institute longer than than anything else that I've done. Um and it, it feels like home for me in 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 a, in a number of really important ways. AI is a is a think tank. What is a think tank? A think tank is um it's a non-profit organization. It's a research orienta- uh organization. Um, it is a place that investigates and discusses and debates and opines on matters of public policy. Um, uh, AEI has been around uh, for, I think, more than 75 years. It's one of the oldest and one of the largest think tanks in Washington. And as you said, it, it does have a view, um, and that view is a, is a preference towards markets. It's a preference towards um, uh traditional conservative values and a belief um, and support for um, limited government generally. Um, but AEI is, a, is a, as you were describing a moment ago, it's a fact-based and it's an evidence-based organization. And so many of the researchers, not all of us, but most of us, um, are of a, have a preference for, um, for more limited government and, and more market-based uh, solutions. But we constantly test and investigate that those questions. Uh, so I spend a yes. lot of time testing and inquiring about the impacts of tax policy, um, about the impact of a whole host of fiscal policies on the economy, and then we we learn and sometimes we correct and adjust. Um, and but our audience is is policymakers, um, uh, lawmakers, journalists other people who are interested in, in public policy. And everything we do is available and free and 
online and um and I'd encourage people to to read my work and and read the work of my colleagues. And the last thing I'll say about yeah. AI and it's one of the nice things about AI is not everyone at AI agrees with each other. And so there's a, a strong belief in freedom and that includes the freedom to disagree with one another. And I don't agree with everything that all my colleagues always say, nor do they agree with me. And that, that competition of ideas, I think, makes AEI a better place. Competition of ideas. I, I agree with that, the marketplace of ideas that needs to exist for organizations so they don't become echo chambers. That's why we have so much, so many problems as a society today is most people are locked in echo chambers and they're afraid to have their views challenged. And I, I love that. Uh, about uh, AEI, and uh, really grateful to be able to chat with you. We could do a whole segment. In fact, we have done a whole segment on AEI, but we're not going to do that today. But it's worth the conversation because people need to know the difference. AEI as an organization has made peace with the 21st century, while a lot of these so-called think tanks want to keep us stuck in uh, something that uh, may have not been that effective in the uh, 18th century, but it's certainly obsolete now. And uh, I, I like relevance, and uh, that's exactly what, uh, while, while maintaining the most important of traditional values that have worked, that's a delicate balancing act that I think AI does a great job of uh, pursuing. Yeah, with here, that, here. that, with that mutual, with that uh, mutual appreciation society there, both mutually appreciating <laughs> AI. Let's get into our topic of the elections and try to look at it from a policy perspective. And what I was shocked by is it looks like. Uh, uh, on the Senate, it could be identical to what it already has been, uh, from what I can tell. Could be. It's hard to tell quite yet. Uh, hopefully we'll know by January. Uh, but, uh, but the House is looking like only one or two pickups plus. In other words, like uh, one majority or a two majority. Um, not exactly a mandate that the Republicans were fishing for. Well, um, I'm a bit more optimistic than that. Um, I think it'll be, uh, you know, um, you know, they need 218 votes uh, to to be in the majority to control the gavel, and I I, I certainly think they'll beat that. Um, but I I do agree that the majority um, will be slim, will be narrow. It'll be more narrow than um, certainly than Kevin McCarthy and and his his colleagues were hoping for. Um, in the last week or so, we saw a real shift in the polls and a shift in the rhetoric and the and the commentary towards uh, more of a red wave and a and a bigger pickup, and that is is not seeming to materialize. We you know we don't know yet, um, but I do think that they'll they, they will have a majority for sure. They may have six or eight seat majority, but they won't have a 20-seat majority, and that's going to pose challenges. Um, you know, it is hard to govern. I mean, both things are hard. It's, it can be difficult to, to govern with very large majorities because then you get many mouths to feed, um, but it can also be very difficult to govern <laughs> in a very slim majority um, where where power is really in the balance. Yeah. In a way, we're looking at more divided government after a lot of divided government. Yeah, yeah, that, that, I think that's right. I think that's right. And, and I will say I concur on the on the Senate side. I think, you know, again, we're still counting votes. We, we're still we may not know until December uh, the outcome in Georgia, but it seems very plausible um, that Democrats will hold on to a, you know, a 50 50 um, uh, outcome with the vice president uh, casting tie breaking votes when necessary. 
Now, I think, you know, I think it's easy for, for political scientists and, and policy, political wonks to get, to really think in ways that people don't actually think about voting. <laughs> you know what I mean? People like divided government. They go in there voting for divided government. You know, that type of thing. I don't think that actually happens. I think people vote for their candidate. And sometimes it's a split ticket, but I, I don't think most are that calculated. I don't think. Uh, but at the same time, when I look at, at the overall political culture of a do-nothing political culture in some respects in both parties. The Democrats love to wag their finger at Republicans about, you know, being a do nothing Congress, but that goes both ways, particularly based on uh, the majorities. You know, if the Democrats are not in charge. Why do they want to help the Republicans? You know what I'm talking about. And so, um, but to me, I think Americans are exhausted by do nothing. And I think Americans, you know, look at, at uh, the need of getting some things done that both sides could embrace. And uh, do you think that, that that resonates, that that's part of this whole messaging, or am I just being uh, romantic about all this? Well, I mean, I think I, uh, I, I really like your, your first point about, you know, can you go in, can a voter go into the voting booth and, and vote to create divided government? Is that how, is that, or is that their preference and do they, do they seek to achieve that goal? I, I'm in here to vote for, for divided government. I agree with you. That's not how how people situate um, their thinking when they when they enter the voting booth. I think they say, you know, do I want more of the same or do I want something different? Am I am I satisfied or dissatisfied um, with you know with the direction of the country, with the with the political discourse? Do we want change or do we want um, you know more of the same? And and what we're seeing is is you know a lot of people very dissatisfied. Maybe not as many people as we thought. Um, but a, a, a shift, at least in the House side, you know, towards change, um, but not a wave. Um, but they're only voting for their own member, of course, and they're not they're not voting um, to, to more more broadly than that. Um, yeah, the question of whether people, yeah, I mean, the question of whether people, you know, are, are seeking solution oriented, uh, a solution oriented Congress. Um, whatever that means and whatever policies that means. Um, I think it's true um, in the sense that a lot of what, one of the big things that has been on people's mind, obviously, is is the economy and particularly inflation and a, and obviously a concern and dissatisfaction with the economy in that respect. And they're trying to vote for some sort of change that will that will result in a change in inflation. The problem is is that Congress doesn't really. I mean, they can you know, lawmakers can can make things a little bit better, a little bit worse. Um, and I think that they made things a little bit worse, and they you know, and the Democrats yeah. contributed to the inflation that we're having. But that's not the primary job of of the U.S. Congress isn't to set you know isn't to set prices. That's that's the Federal Reserve Board. Yes. Alex, uh, as you know, I kind of messed up on our, our time. We're, we're now playing beat the clock when normally I try to milk as much time out of you as I can uh, because I love our conversations. But, you know, I think we kind of set a little bit of a tone here of what people are going to be looking at between now and the, and the new Congress, which is right around the corner. And uh, we're going to make sure we get you back in as soon as that thing is sitting. 
uh, to get some um, more unboxing going on, to get some more clarity. Alex Burrow, AI.org, we'll also have a link uh, to him and his uh, uh, organization over at uh, priceofbusiness.com. Always love having you on, my friend. Thank you. Great to talk to you. I'm Kevin Price. Stay tuned for more.